All right. Well, we are beginning a series uh, in Genesis. We started last week with Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Today we're going to make a lot of progress. We're going to go to 1 and 2, verses 1 and 2. Let me tell you why Genesis is so important. Because Genesis really addresses all the big issues of contemporary society. The things that you don't know how to talk about, we're going to talk about. The things that are politically incorrect to talk about, we're gonna talk about. Things like gender, we're gonna talk about gender. What does the Bible have to say about that? Marriage, we're gonna talk about marriage. Sexuality, we're gonna talk about that. Children, and who do they really belong to? The state says them, I say no. Social engineering, we're gonna talk about what is that? Transhumanism, which is a really big thing, it's nothing new, started in Genesis chapter six. We're gonna talk about that. And we're gonna talk about evolution and what the Bible has to say about that. So, a lot of good stuff coming up. And today we're going to introduce you to what I believe is a timeline and what's happening in Genesis. Now, can I tell you this from the very start? This is probably going to be new for a lot of you. This is probably also going to challenge you in some areas. I want to reassure you that if you do have the church app, you can open it up to sermon notes, and all the notes that I'm using today will be on your app. So you're going like, what did he say? It's in the app. There's also a place where you can take notes in the app. So I encourage you, if you haven't downloaded it, do that. You can do it right now. And then you can get the notes, and every week before you come in here, you can review the notes, see what's going on, because we want you to learn. The second thing we're going to do with Genesis is because we are limited in how much time we can actually pour into Genesis in a setting like this, uh, I'm going to start, I'm going to launch in about another week a podcast that's going to be very, very detailed and uh, almost verse by verse, word by word in the book of Genesis. So if you want to do additional study, you'll be able to go on the podcast and get that uh, information. A few years ago, I wrote a commentary on the book of Genesis that I've never published. It's about 350 pages of material. And people say, why don't you publish it? I said, I don't know. I'm just not ready yet. It's just simmering. (laughs) Amen? Just simmering. All right, let's begin now with, with this idea. When we think about life, we think about time, don't we? We think about past and present and future. And everything kind of filters through that. Why? I I look at life and I go, why? I can't believe it's already February of the new year. I feel like I lost a day or two this week because time seems to be moving faster and faster, doesn't it? Or we look back and we think, I remember how great it was in the past. And so we look back We live in our present day, and we kind of evaluate life about today. How's it going today, we'll ask people. But I want you to think about this concept. Time is a creature word. God is not subject to time. Sometimes you'll hear somebody say, in eternity past, God did this. Well, remember that there is no past time in eternity. Time happened because God created us and this universe But beyond that and before that and learning simultaneously with that is what we call the eternal now. You see, eternity is always present tense. This is why when you get to heaven, you're in eternity 
and there is no aging, there is no time factor there. You say, oh, well, when we've been, there's even songs, you know, when we've been there 10,000 years. Well, we, we can't measure that because there is no time. Imagine this, that God looks at everything simultaneously. He sees past, present, future all simultaneously. That's what it means to be in eternity. It's a little bit mind-blowing, isn't it? It's kind of like when the third grader asks you, where did God come from? And you try to change the subject. <laughs> because God came from no place because there was no place till God created place. Is your head hurting yet? Hang in there, we're gonna try to go deeper. When we talk about God, so we say God is eternal. God is eternal. And God is uncreated. Let that sink in. So let's go to Psalm chapter 90, verse two, and we're gonna begin to talk a little bit about eternity and God coming, uh, always being. It says in, in this particular chapter, before the mountains were brought forth, so we're talking about before creation, or ever you formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So you see, God predates, if you will, Creation, Isaiah chapter 43. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord. Colossians chapter one. For by him all things were created that are on heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. So we think about God as the creator God of creating the, the earth and the sun, the moon and the stars and all of those things because we see them and we live in this tangible, natural world where the five senses operate to give us guidance in life. But God, remember this, that God created also things that were invisible. For example, angels. Did he create other invisible things? I suppose he did. I just can't see them, amen? All right. So it says, things that were created through him and for him. So why did God create? He created it for him and it was through him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. One commentator made a, a reference to this last phrase here, all things consist, that he is the glue of the universe. He holds everything together by the word of his power. Now let's go to the creation. The original creation, I believe, is in chapter one and verse one. Now we're gonna start moving through a section here where we're going to challenge some of your thinking but I think it's going to make sense in the long run. It says in 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You'll notice there that heavens is plural. There are actually three heavens, according to scripture. The first heaven is the, the called heaven, that is the atmosphere that the birds fly in. The second one is where the heavenly bodies are, and the third is where God is and where spiritual forces exist. This is how the Bible talks about it. What's really interesting, kind of a side note, the Hebrew word for heaven is the word shamayim. Can you say that with me? Shamayim. And it literally, what it means is their waters. You say, well, that's interesting, but why is that significant? Well, because, and we're gonna go into greater detail a little bit later, because the um, scientists have tried to figure out how much matter there is in the universe. 
And they couldn't do that, they couldn't do the calculations till about 20 years ago, and then they calculated that the matter of the universe was actually the water content in space. The Hebrew word says there are waters. See, the Bible knew that before any of the scientists did. Another interesting thing is when we send someone into space, they're called a what? Astro. Not Astra from the word star, not it from nautical, or, or one who travels in the stars through the water. Fascinating, isn't it? The book of Genesis is so, um, so brilliant that it has the touch of God on every single page. So we see this, we've got this idea that God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but something went wrong. Here's what Isaiah says in chapter 45. For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it in vain, or, or who formed it to be inhabited, I am the Lord and there is no other. And yet verse two of Genesis says this. But the earth, and if you're reading in your Bible, it'll say was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. Now, I want you to look at this. We're going to leave this scripture up for just a moment because um, what I've done is I've, I've helped you to understand what the Hebrew is saying here. Remember, Isaiah said when he formed it, he didn't form it void or without purpose or in vain. But now in verse 2, it says, but the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. Okay. Let me give some understanding here. But the Hebrew says, but the earth became without form and void and darkness, that is spiritual darkness, was on the face of the deep. So what happened between verse and verses one and two in the book of Genesis that we start out with, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and then the earth was void and without form? I believe in this time there's a gap of time between verses one and two. And in that gap of time, how long was it? I don't know. It could have been a million years, it could have been a billion years, it doesn't really matter. But in that time frame was where the fall of Satan came. Because if you go to chapter three, you go, how did this guy show up in the Garden of Eden? There's no explanation. He just appeared, kind of like that movie Deeds. Did you ever see Deeds? He just shows up. Everybody's gonna go, I'm gonna go watch Deeds today. Let me show you how that Hebrew word is used in Scripture. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed into his nostrils, and the breath of life, and man became a living being. Same word. You see how it's used? Genesis chapter 19, verse 26. We've all heard about Lot's uh, wife becoming a pillar of salt. Look what it says. Uh, Genesis 19, 26, but his wife looked back and, be, and uh, behind uh, him, and she became, she became a pillar of salt. This is how the Hebrews used. So if I go back to, let's just pull up that scripture again. If I go back to Genesis chapter one, verse uh, 2a, but the earth was, that is the world, it became without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. Now, I'm gonna show, put a chart up here. This is not in your, uh, on the app, but um, I want you to take a picture of this because this is gonna help you to understand this and kind of put it all in context. So what we wanna do is we wanna look at this chart and we're gonna go from, uh, from the left-hand side, Genesis 1-1, creation of heavens and earth, a gap of time, a long period of time. What happens in that? Lucifer falls into sin. 
Lucifer is the name for Satan, and God judges the earth. Chapter one, verse two, the earth is ruined and spoiled, and then God begins this recreating or remaking of the heaven and the earth. So the gap of time explains a few things. The gap of time explains the age of the universe. Good friend of mine got his PhD at Cambridge and taught at the University of Colorado in Boulder, and he was an atheist. And one day he was talking to me, he said, you Christians all believe the earth is 6,000 years old. And I said, I don't believe that. He said, how old do you think it is? I said, I don't know. I've never seen an old rock or a young rock. I don't know the difference. Right? But also, if I look at what's happening in the whole world of science, this is what I said to him. I said, I believe that there's no way you can explain dinosaurs getting on the ark. Because when it landed, there would be nothing left. The dinosaurs would win. So if I, if I look at it, I believe the earth is very old, but I believe God created the heavens and the earth, that we didn't evolve. So I want you to understand where I'm coming from. Now, if you have one of those Bibles that gives you the chronology, it probably says that the earth is about 6,000 years old. That chronology works as long as you begin in verse two and not in verse one. You see the difference? Because what, what, the, what this guy named Usher did was he just took all the, how long it said everybody lived and they added them all up and it came out to about 6,000 years. That's fine, that works. Some people say, well, aren't there dinosaurs in the book of Job? Absolutely not. Leviathan is Satan. It says he is the son of all, he is the father of all the sons of pride, and on earth there is not his equal. In other words, this is not man. This is, this is not animal. This is Satan. In fact, Job is one of the most scientific books in the Bible. You know, Einstein said that time stops at absolute zero. Job said that the, that the outer reaches, reaches of space are frozen like a stone. I can't remember what absolute zero is, something like minus 456 uh, degrees Fahrenheit, but whatever it is is not important. What's important is that the Bible has, when it speaks on science, it's accurate. It's just not a scientific book. It's a book for your soul and for your heart. It's the revelation of God. It also, it all, not only does it explain the age of the universe, it explains the origin of evil. Because you know, we know that Adam brought sin into the world, that is into his world, in the Garden of Eden, but evil was there before then. That was Satan, and we're gonna, we're gonna walk you through some of that right now. So if we turn in our Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 12 and verse nine, here's what it says. The great dragon, this is another name for Satan, was cast out the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So we see there's, a, there's this war in heaven. There's a dynamic happening. The scripture doesn't say when this happened. We don't know that. We just know that it did happen. So what we do when we study the Bible is we try to go back through the Bible and try to determine, is there any reference to this? Is there anything I can learn from this if I study a little bit further? So the first thing I'm gonna take you to is Isaiah chapter 14. And here's what it says. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. 
Now we see a connection with Revelation chapter 12 and verse nine, don't we? This is gonna get good. This is gonna open up your eyes to a lot of things. All right? How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. Now, if you're going to ascend, that means you have to be below heaven. Are you with me? He said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. So here's two things we learn already. Satan was on earth, and he had a throne. There was an atmosphere, because he said, I'm going to rise above the, the clouds, okay? And he said, I will sit in the mount of the, uh, of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. It's really interesting that north is the direction that it says God dwells in. Even though God is everywhere present all the time, he says he talks about him being in the far reaches of the north. So God would remind us where he is. He, he actually put, uh, we're in this Milky Way galaxy, and we've got a, a north star, a pole star, and, uh, and if you look up, you, it's easy to find the north star, isn't it? Because it's the alleyway into the Milky Way galaxy. So when I look into that, I'm, I'm, my perception is I can guide my life. Sailors would guide their life by the pole star, wouldn't they? It's fixed in the heavens. So God says, I want you to remind you that I'm in the far reaches of the north. Now, what else does it say? I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. So here's the atmosphere we talked about. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. So when God created, God created three archangels, Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. And each one of them had a role to play and a responsibility. Lucifer said, I don't like my responsibility. I want to be God. I will exalt myself above God. God says, no, you won't. So what happened was when he did that, one, one of the angels went and a third of all the angels went with him. Those are what's called demonic spirits. Now, let me take you a little further. Ezekiel 28. Now, I'm only gonna give you a little bit of Ezekiel, even though this section is really, there's a lot to it, but you might wanna go back and read Ezekiel 28. This is what it says of Lucifer. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Okay, now, okay, that makes sense. Adam and Eve were in Eden, the garden of God. You were the anointed cherub that covers... You were on the holy mountain of God. You were perfect in all your ways till the day you were created, till iniquity was found in you. Now, you know what just happened? It just told you that there was an Eden before there was an Eden. Because it says you were perfect in all your ways in Eden. You were the anointed cherub, that is, you were the angel that was anointed until iniquity was found in you. And then you sinned. So you, you, you go to the book of uh, Genesis, you walk into chapter three of Genesis, and all of a sudden you go, why is Satan so mad at Adam? Because a new sheriff is in town. He now occupies Eden, and he is essentially the king of the earth. Because God says to Adam, you're gonna have a dominion over all things, over the birds of the air, over the beast, and over the fish in the sea. You will have dominion. He essentially said, you're king of the earth right now. The only thing I don't want you to do is I don't want you to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
because the day that you eat of that, you will die. So what does he do? It doesn't take him much time, he and Eve, to figure out the tree looks pretty tantalizing. We can have everything we want in life but that. Have you ever wondered why you want everything in life but the thing you can't have? Have you ever noticed that? I mean, you tell the kid, you can have anything you want, but you can't have Cocoa Puffs. What do they want, Cocoa Puffs? Right? What is that? Because there's a sinful nature in us that is desires that which we cannot have, and then once we get it, there's a law of diminishing returns. We're not satisfied with what we do have. This is the human condition you have to deal with every day in your life. Now, God's command was to replenish the world. You remember what God said to Adam and Eve? Now look at it, Genesis chapter one, verses 27 and 28. God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. You only replenish something that was once plenished and needs to be replenished. Are you with me? You see, some of the newer translations have used the word fill, to fill the earth. But the word Hebrew word means to replenish. Let me show you how it's used. How about this? Genesis chapter nine and verse one, Noah's flood, remember this? Flood comes, Noah, and there's eight people on the ark. Everything else is gone from the earth, right? Are you with me? Say, I'm with you. Okay. God blessed Noah, chapter nine, verse one, and his sons, and he said unto them, be fruitful, multiply, and say it with me. Replenish the earth. Why did it need to be replenished? Because everybody else got wiped out. Why did he tell Adam to replenish the earth? Because everything before that got wiped out. It's the only way you're gonna explain dinosaur tracks and humans next to each other is if there was a pre-Adamic race. I told you you were gonna get shocked. Wow. Back to my friend that was the Cambridge PhD, taught at CU Boulder, I said to him, I said, this is what I believe, and he said, well, at least you're intellectually honest. And I said, but Grady, it doesn't stop there. Just because I affirm the age of the universe doesn't mean that I I fall into evolution or into theistic evolution. Now, what theistic evolution says is that God just was behind the whole idea of evolution. You see, evolution came out of the Bible. If you look at the order of species, it's just a ripoff from the book of Genesis chapter one. They just take God out and put everything else. And so we start out in you know, this lower you know, single cell amoeba, we kinda, things kind of devolve and we get a couple of fins, we get a tail, you know, things start happening, we, we're able to stand upright and go to school and talk and wow, voila, here we are. We once were monkeys. The only person I've ever known that I really thought evolved from a lower life form was one of my roommates. (laughs) He would literally dress the night before so he wouldn't have to spend any extra time in the morning and then he would just roll out of bed and go to class. And he was was a lower life form, there's no doubt about it. (laughs) So what does all this mean? What this means is if I get things right in the first 12 to 15 chapters of Genesis, then I've got every major doctrine in Scripture right. If I start out believing in evolution, then I'm off the entire Bible. I am absolutely convinced you cannot believe in evolution and be a Bible-believing Christian. 
because it denies the very first tenet of the first chapter of the book. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So if I say, I don't believe that, now I don't believe Jesus was right because Jesus was off because he believed that. I don't believe the prophets were right, the apostles were right. I don't believe any of that was right because I know more than God about the creation of the world and it all came from a big bang, great. Okay, so there was preexistent material somewhere in the Big Bang. Where did it come from? You see, if you keep pushing everything back, 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 you gotta start with something. And it becomes a magic show of smoke and mirrors to try to create a scenario where nothing can come, then something can come out of nothing unless you have God. In your own life, I want you to think about it like this. The, the explanation of your life ultimately comes down to God. Do you believe there is a sovereign God who loves you? When I was at Oxford, I was talking to my professor, Dr. John Kerr, and I said to him, uh, he, he was head of uh, the Biological Warfare Department for the Royal Air Force at one time, and he was telling me all these crazy stories about bio-warfare, things that will kind of make your skin crawl, you know? And uh, I said, John, how do, you, how, do you how do you sleep at night knowing what you know? He said, it's simple, my boy. He said, I believe in a sovereign God. You see, if I believe God is sovereign, then I don't have to fear my daily life. If I believe God is sovereign, I don't have to fear anything in life. Because God is my God. God is in control of everything. If my life is being controlled by fate in the stars, or by the evolutionary process, then I have everything to fear because in the evolutionary process is survival of the fittest. That means somebody who's stronger and greater than me is going to consume me and wipe me off the face of the earth and take all my hope and all my joy. I don't believe that. My joy comes from him. My life comes from him. The explanation of my life comes from him. In chapter one, verse two, let me give you the second part of the verse. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Literally, the Spirit there is the word ruach. It means the breath of God. And you know what God says in the next verse? I'm going to give you a little, little heads up from next week. And, God, and there was darkness on the face of the deep, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Remember that? Great crap, scripture, right? Guess what? That wasn't the sun, the moon, or the stars, because that didn't happen until verse 14 in the scripture. That's when God said he created the sun, the moon, and the stars. What light was it? It was the light of God piercing through the darkness of the enemy, bringing everything into perspective. Guess what happens? When you find yourself in spiritual darkness, when you don't know which way to go, guess what God does? He says, let there be light. He floods your life with light. He floods your community with light. And, and when darkness comes in like a storm, the Bible says he floods your world with light. You see, in Psalm 104, verse 30, it says, you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. When God saw what Satan had done trying to destroy and to kill all the beautiful thing that God did, God sent his spirit. And that word hovering is literally is the same word when a, when a chicken sets on an egg waiting for it to hatch. Guess what God's doing over your life? He is keeping you warm 
and protected, and he's birthing new things in you. He's birthing new ideas and new dreams and new hopes. You see, when the Spirit of God moves, you see, you renew your life. When you feel the Spirit in your life, you go like, I wanna be like God. I wanna trust God. I wanna walk with God when you feel the Spirit of God. When you feel the Spirit of God, you, wanna, you say, I'm having a supernatural encounter with Almighty God. This is not about religion. I hate religion. Religion is man trying to find God, trying to create scenarios where God fits into, but a relationship with Jesus Christ is totally different. He walks with me and he talks with me. He's with me everywhere. When I lay down, he is there. When I rise up, he is there. The psalmist said, where shall I go from thy spirit? If I send into the heavens, behold, you are there. If I send into Sheol, the place of death, behold, you are there. God is an ever-present help in time of trouble. That's what the scripture says. Though the mountains quake with the, with the sound thereof, though they slip into the midst of the sea, there is a city whose builder and maker is God, and God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. See, God is for you. If God is for you, who can be against you? Amen? Amen? You see, God bursts new ideas, new dreams, new hopes in your life by his spirit. You see, right now, in your own heart, God is birthing some ideas. Right now, when you say, well, I've never heard God speak an audible voice. Oh, he speaks much louder. He speaks on the inside. Sometimes it's a little nudge. Sometimes it's scripture. Sometimes it's a friend. They'll just speak a word to you, and you'll go like, wow, I feel like God just is showing me something, or God's speaking to me. Have you ever been reading the Bible, and you go, wow, I, God just showed me something. I just found this in the Bible like it was lost. What that means is it was a revelation. God revealed something to you. I can't tell you how many people have, over the years have come out and said, you know, while you were preaching, God gave me an idea for a new business. Little things like that. While you were preaching, God gave me a strategy for helping in, my, in my, my, the life of my kids. While you were speaking, see, that's not me. That's the Spirit of God. That's what He does. Isn't that amazing? And he's working right now in our hearts. Would you just stand with me? And we're gonna, we're gonna bow our heads in prayer. We're gonna ask the Spirit of God to move fresh in this, in this moment as we're studying Scripture, as we're going through the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we pray right now in Jesus' name. That name which is above every name. That name that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. God, we wanna just confess right now, you are Lord, God. We give you praise, we give you glory, we give you honor. Would you just say, God, just right where you stand, where you said, just say, God, I give you glory, I give you praise, I give you honor. Now just welcome his presence into your, into your life right now. God, I welcome you. Holy Spirit, come. Come like a fire. Come mighty in my heart, Lord. God, speak to me. Birth new ideas, new dreams, new hopes. Give me power over the enemy. Give me power over challenges and difficulties that I face in life. Let the word of God become rich in my heart, Lord God. Let me be totally committed to you, Father. Let me really call you Lord and mean it. Jesus is Lord, do you mean that? Is he Lord of all your life or is he just Lord of part of your life? Jesus is Lord. If you never asked Jesus to be your Lord, I'm gonna give you an opportunity right now to pray a prayer with me. It goes like this, you can just repeat it after me right where you stand, right where you sit. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died, you rose from the dead, 
to give me eternal life. Come into my heart, Jesus, right now and save me. If that was your prayer, just thank him in your own words. God, I thank you for saving my heart. Thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for coming into my life. Was that your prayer? Just thank him right now in your own words. Just thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You see, God makes a way where we don't know how to make a way. God's Spirit moves in a way that we don't even know how he's moving. Right now, I believe God is doing some things in some some few people's lives right now that you wouldn't even believe, that there's things, you, you're hitting an impasse in your life. God's, I believe, is doing some things right now you wouldn't believe if he told you. But you're gonna see the, you're gonna see the fruit, you're gonna see the revelation of that come to you soon. Amen? Amen.